Welcome to the official Old Patrol HQ podcast. I'm Gil Maza, an agent for almost 24 years out of the San Diego sector. I've always admired and respected our rich, action-packed, and colorful heritage. My journeymen were hardcore, kick-ass alien catchers, and they passed on their knowledge, experience, and all their bad habits <laughs> onto the next generation. This podcast is dedicated to making the Old Patrol come alive and celebrate the history, heritage, and legacy of all things Old Patrol with a few shenanigans along the way. We will explore all the great customs, traditions, experiences, and adventures that make the patrol the best job on the planet. Ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first, honor always. Greetings all you Old Patrollers out there. Now we're going to hear the second half of the brief history of the Border Patrol through the writings of the Commissioner General of Immigration back from 1923 through to 1927. I hope you have found it interesting and informative and with all the little tidbits and details, uh, it seems like a lot of things don't change from then until now and a lot of things haven't. But uh, we have an agency we can be proud of. Happy 96th birthday to the U.S. Border Patrol and Without any further ado, here's the second half to the history of the Border Patrol. In deciding upon a plan of organization, it was believed that the best results could be accomplished by dividing each of the immigration border districts into several patrol districts and placing in charge of each unit an immigration officer of wide experience in border work. The entire patrol force in each district operating under the general supervision of the respective district heads, which plan was adopted. That was that this plan was a wise and proper one has been amply proven in actual practice. Under the law, immigrant inspectors alone are authorized to pass upon the admissibility of aliens and by having available in each patrol district an immigration inspector as officer in charge, matters pertaining to both branches of the service are readily disposed of instead of referring aliens apprehended by the patrol inspectors to points great distances removed for disposition of their cases. In fact, So interlocking and coordinating are the two branches of the service that it is very much doubted if any separation of them could be made without materially interfering with unrestricted legitimate travel across the borders. Now, patrol inspectors were greatly handicapped in the beginning by lack of uniforms, as there there was nothing aside from their badges to distinguish them from the ordinary citizen. This gave smugglers and others an excuse for ignoring their commands, and at times the lives of the officers were endangered in the attempted performance of their duties. This has since been remedied, and the patrol force is now not only thoroughly organized, but properly and smartly uniformed, as is evidenced by the photograph of the local force at El Paso, Texas, reproduced for the public press. The immigration patrol force, it is true, is but in its infancy. But fortunately, it has attracted to it men of the highest type, many who have served as officers in our Army and Navy in the late World War. Through their courage, resourcefulness, and devotion to duty, they have rendered it possible to perfect an organization that compares favorably with any law enforcement body in the country. Theirs is by no means a peaceful occupation. For they are called upon to deal with a lawless element which has but little less compunction in the taking of human life than in violating the laws of the country. And already several immigration officers have been shot down in the line of duty. 
Not infrequently have they been fired upon from ambush, engaged in skirmishes with these traffickers in contraband, and in spite of that, they carry on with an enthusiasm which merits the highest commendation and justifies the pride which the Bureau takes in them. While the primary duty of this force is to prevent the unlawful entry of aliens, the very nature of the work of these officers comprising it throws them into contact with the lawless element which infests the borders and other outlying points such as the Florida Peninsula, where smuggling is prevalent and their efforts are not confined to the suppression of alien traffic, but extend to the enforcement of all federal laws designed to protect the country from the unlawful introduction of contraband. Wow. Amazing to see how it's developed and how it grows and how it molds itself into. And I just love reading how the commissioner just writes about this force with such pride and enthusiasm. Now listen to this uh, report later on, I think in 1926. It says, The force is now thoroughly organized and properly officered. But in or as organization, um, but as organization has possessed the need, has progressed the need for additional men and equipment to complete it and increase its effectiveness, has become more and more apparent. Apparent. Some of the vulnerable points in this armor of defense, which require a 24-hour service, are now being protected only by a sufficient number of men to give an eight-hour service, while other points are left practically uncovered. There is no intention of building so rapidly that the force will become a disorganized rabble. Did you get that? I think what he's trying to say is we're not going to grow so fast that we just allow anything to happen to it and develop on its own. They're, they want to keep that standard, that high standard. For experience has demonstrated that the organization promotes effectiveness. To man properly the force at the present stage of development, there should be at least 660 patrol inspectors. 32 inspectors in charge, and 40 clerks representing a total increase over the present authorized force of 158 employees. This estimate has been arrived at only after the most careful analysis of existing conditions and presents the number of new employees that can properly be absorbed in the present organization and render it a proportionately more effective. Not alone has the force been handicapped in its operations by inadequacy in numbers, but equally as great has been the handicap resulting from lack of proper transportation facilities. With the amount of funds available for that purpose, it has not been possible to provide sufficient motor equipment and horses to render the force mobile, and upon its mobility to a great extent depends its effectiveness. There are now certain patrol districts where a force of 10 men are called upon to cover a territory of approximately 300 miles traversing which are numerous improved highways leading across the boundary, all of which on occasion are utilized by traffickers in contraband. To attempt to place guards at each one of them would not only be futile, as their identity and location would soon become a matter of common knowledge, but the number of men that would be required to maintain an adequate protective force renders such a plan impracticable. That the borders and other outlying districts should be protected is recognized by every citizen who has the welfare of this country at heart. It is a manifest duty to urge that everything be done to secure sufficient funds to man, equip, and maintain the Border Patrol force at a point where it will be as nearly 100% effective as it is possible to make it. Now here's a report from the district director out of San Antonio, Texas, 1926. The patrol force was greatly increased during the past year and alien smuggling made proportionately more difficult. 
The aliens simply did not attempt illegal entry in the face of the stern opposition they knew they would meet in the enlarged and reorganized patrol. The added restrictions of the new Immigration Act, cutting down the numbers of aliens who may enter this country, have greatly stimulated the heretofore steady flow of European aliens to Mexico with the ultimate object of smuggling into the United States. It is believed that more than 90% have proceeded to Mexico for the sole purpose of eventually entering into the United States. Information is reaching the service to the effect that Europeans are congregating in Mexico, awaiting a favorable opportunity to smuggle into the United States. Fear or apprehension is all that keeps them from making a rush across the border, and even despite this fear, many become desperate and make the attempt. One aspect of Border Patrol activities which might otherwise escape consideration in any brief discussion of the subject should be emphasized, namely, the very great spirit of cooperation which exists between the Border Patrol officers and officials of other government services which have as their object law enforcement along the international boundaries. Mutual assistance has at all times characterized their relations with other government services, including officials of the Customs Service, Prohibition Enforcement Officers, and agents of the Department of Justice. While stressing the cooperation which has existed and which will be encouraged, the opinion is constantly strengthened that this Border Patrol force cannot be combined with or made a part of any other force if it is to function to the best advantage against alien smuggling. Well, did you hear that? Let's read that again. While stressing the cooperation which has existed and which will be encouraged, the opinion is considerably strengthened that this border patrol force cannot be combined with or made a part of any other force if it is to function to the best advantage against the Indian smuggling. Hmm. Interesting. The success of the border patrol force up to this time has been made possible by specialized effort and it is well able to handle the peculiar problems presented in connection with violations of the immigration laws along the remote portions of the border as well as on the more thickly populated sections of the frontiers. In the more congested areas, it is possible that further cooperation might be fostered, but the problems presented by the remote sectors of the border are peculiarly, peculiarly the responsibility of the Border Patrol Force. With such difficult conditions, no other force now in existence can successfully cope. I like that. Therefore, it is recommended that no amalgamation be made of this efficient organization with any other services, thus robbing it of its vitality and effectiveness in the prevention of illegal entry of aliens. Further, intensive effort to focus the activities of the Border Patrol, which Congress had in mind in creating it, should be continued. The record of accomplishment of the past year by this small force of border guards of necessity hastily chosen and organized into their respective units is little short of an achievement. The Bureau feels little, no little pride in this vigorous body of young men who have served so loyally to produce such results. The very substantial contribution has been made to the effective effectiveness of the immigration service, which as years go on will be an increasing source of strength from which to recruit its core of immigrant inspectors. A most significant thing about the activity of the patrol force the past year has been the enthusiasm with which these young officers have gone about their difficult duties. A considerably larger force could be used to advantage, but with further additions to the existing nucleus of personnel and with the proportionately increased provision for administrative expenses, even more striking results may be obtained in suppressing alien smuggling activities.
The reports emphasize the need of adequate equipment and transportation, and even if the present force is to operate to its best advantage, further thought and expenditure should be devoted to these ends. An energetic and capable personnel already has been developed. Could this force be adequately increased and furnished with the best type of equipment, especially facilities for rapid transportation with which to fight the methods of the smugglers? Such effectiveness would be reached as would render unprofitable any extensive induction of aliens across the boundaries or along the sea coast. Just as soon as law violators, both smugglers and alien subjects, are convinced of the hazards attached to surreptitious entry, surreptitious entry, alien applicants will patronize the regular ports of entry and submit to the necessary inspection as the best means of gaining admission. The deterrent effect now exercised by the patrol force has been a most important factor in keeping alien smuggling efforts and other illegal activities along the borders within bounds. The continuance of this force and a further increased provision for its maintenance and expansion is recommended. No account of the activities of the border patrol would be complete if I did not make mention of the cooperation furnished by the officials of the Canadian and Mexican governments along the international frontiers. Much of the success achieved by the border patrol has been made possible by the goodwill and assistance which its officers have been met with from officials along the international boundaries in their efforts to protect this country against the illegal entry of aliens. So now, as we progress to the Commissioner General's report of 1927, we can already see where the Border Patrol has begun, it has progressed in three short years. Listen to this. Confronted by a situation of this kind, it is most fortunate that Congress has made provision for the establishment of an Immigration Border Patrol Service. A brief history of the formation of the patrol force was given at the last annual report of the Bureau. At that time, there was connected with it an authorized force of 472 employees. As the efforts to thwart the purpose of the immigration laws are constantly increasing, it has become more and more apparent that the immigration patrol force must extend its operations and consequently, uh, constant efforts have been made to increase the number of officers identified with it. Originally, this force operated exclusively along the land boundaries, but it soon became apparent that to control the situation, officers must be stationed in Florida and in other places along the sea and Gulf Coast, and accordingly the force has been added to it until now numbers 632 employees. When it, has, when it is taken into consideration, however, that our land boundaries extend for several thousand miles on the north and south, and with Cuba and other islands, to which aliens have proceeded for no other purpose than to surreptitiously enter this country, um, only comparatively short distances removed from our sea, sea coast, a force of even 600 men is certainly not adequate to protect the country properly from an unlawful alien invasion. The hope is expressed and it is confidently believed that as the needs for extending the service become apparent to our lawmakers, they will supply the necessary funds to bring this force up to the standard in point of numbers and equipment that will render it effective against any means that may be employed by aliens and others to circumvent the law. By this, it is not meant that the situation is out of control at the present time. On the contrary, the Immigration Border Patrol Force has been so well organized and the officers identified with it so zealous in the performance of their duties 
that notwithstanding the fact that a greater number of aliens are seeking unlawful entry, it is confidently believed that fewer of them are succeeding than in former years. The force must be increased, however, in proportion to the efforts made by aliens, organizations, and individuals to circumvent the law. The growing number of highways crossing the international boundaries and their increasing use by visitors from one country to the other create an added burden upon the service to turn back the undesirable alien and defeat the efforts of the smuggler. With ever-increasing speed of land and water vehicles, to say nothing of the quite common use of aircraft, the advantages of the smugglers are ever-increasing, and while I do not go so far as to raise the cry, which was heard throughout the world throughout the late year, during the late year, of men and more men, I do believe there is a pressing necessity for a force of at least a thousand employees in the Border Patrol. As an illustration of the effectiveness of this service, the following table contains a brief summary of its activities and accomplishments. Now, here's a list of the apps and efforts that they made from June 30th, 1926. Persons, questions, and pedestrians examined, 2,300,000. Persons apprehended and delivered to other officials, 5,580. Aliens turned back, 8,103. Alien smugglers captured, 331. Smuggling, smuggled aliens captured, 3,382. Investigations made, 8,049. Warrants of arrest served, 1,250. Miles patrolled total, 3,082,500. By motorboat, 2,760,000. By motor, I'm sorry, not motorboat, motor. 2,768,789. By boat, 758 miles. By horse, 20, almost 20,000 miles. And a foot, listen to this, almost 300,000 miles. And the work continues. The general commission, the commissioner general, says the amount of liquor seized by seized represents seizures for only three months, namely April, May, and June, as statistics are not available before that. A fair estimate for the fiscal year was 400,000 quarts. This liquor was turned over to prohibition officers, probably not all of it, and other agencies engaged primarily in the enforcement of the prohibition law. During these three months, in addition to seizures made, 56 persons were arrested for liquor smuggling and turned over to the prohibition squad by immigration officers. It should be understood that officers identified with the immigration service, particularly the Border Patrol, do not confine their efforts to the prevention of alien smuggling, but engage in the enforcement of all federal laws which have to do with the unlawful introduction into this country of contraband. The work in which Border Patrol officers are engaged is an extremely hazardous one and already quite a number of officers have lost their lives in the line of duty. In some sections of the country they are not infrequently fired upon from ambush and it is a tribute to their courage that in spite of these dangers they carry on with unwavering zeal. From statements made by smugglers who have been captured, the force is generally recognized by this unlawful element as one which, one which carries with it a constant menace to their successful operations. The files of the Bureau are replete with reports of many valiant acts performed by officers connected with the patrol force. And if space permitted, some of them would be incorporated into this report in order that the people at large might be made acquainted with the work which they are performing and the dangers which they are confronted. Only recently, one of the officers on the Mexican boundary became suspicious of two Mexican youths 
and through his resourcefulness, it was brought to light that these two youths had just previously murdered an American citizen traveling by automobile over a lonely road, thrown his body into a cavern, and confiscated the machine he was now driving, which they had subsequently wrecked. This is one of the many instances where the officers have been instrumental in bringing law violators to justice. They are in many respects, therefore, not only the guardians of our boundary, but to a certain extent, at least, they safeguard the interests of the people of the communities in which they operate. The Bureau is justly proud of this force and its accomplishments, and I take this occasion to pay compliment to the high character of the officers and employees identified with it. In concluding this report, I desire to make special mention of the fine spirit of cooperation which has characterized the Immigration Service during the past year. The enforcement of the immigration laws today is a task sufficient to engage the best efforts of the force now available. I feel that the result attained has been a most favorable one. The various district heads and their assistants, the rank and file of the inspection force, and the clerical staff have all contributed to make it possible for the Bureau to function with such remarkable ease during what I regard as the most notable year in immigration history. Practically the entire workforce has been compelled to work overtime, weekdays and often Sundays and holidays. They are entitled to the gratitude of the country at large, as well as the Bureau for, and the Department. Substantial progress has been made toward better organization, and another year will increasingly show this improvement. I wish to express my deep appreciation and the, uh, of the cooperation of the consular office, public health officials, customs service, and officials of all the various government departments, all who have shown a real spirit of cooperation. And it's signed, respectfully submitted, Harry E. Hull, Commissioner General. Beginning in 1927, I started reading that report, and it started talking about the organization and equipment that was put together for the um, Border Patrol Force. And what it talks about, it says that uh, there has been an added complement of 232 automobiles, 14 trucks, and 6 motorcycles. 30 horses and pack horses also have been added. Then it goes on to say that barracks or office quarters, or a combination of both, have now been provided for nearly all sub-district headquarters throughout the territory covered by the patrol. And these sub-districts with outposts extend for many miles, several hundred in some distance instances, along with frontiers. Each frontier immigration district is a border patrol district, of which there are 11 in all, with headquarters respectively at Seattle, Spokane, Grand Forks, Detroit, Buffalo, Montreal, Jacksonville, New Orleans, San Antonio, El Paso, and Los Angeles. <clears throat> the failure of passage in the last session of Congress of the second deficiency bill carried 200000 for expenses of regulating immigration, necessitating the slowing down of activities for the Border Patrol during the last quarter of the year. In other words, the administrative officers of the Immigration Service were without adequate funds with which to handle the business produced by the Border Patrol. Well, that sure happened fast. Didn't take long, did it? And we've been having that issue ever since. Notwithstanding which the sum total of results accomplished by the Border Patrol during the year as disclosed by the subjoined table are highly gratifying, notably the 20, almost 20,000 persons apprehended and delivered to other officials, 832 alien smugglers captured, 786 automobiles seized, 
303 boats and other conveyances seized, and last but not least, the 12,000 smuggled aliens captured. Many thousands of smuggled aliens captured elected voluntarily to depart rather than, com com than compel resort to formal deportation proceedings. So, as always, even though the budget was cut, they actually increased enforcement efforts and um, got rid of a lot of them due to that good old-fashioned classic VR. And now the commissioner begins to explain a little bit about the character and nature of the Border Patrol. Listen to this characterization right here. And by the way, note carefully the first mention of how Honor First wasn't just chosen or picked as a model, but it just developed naturally through the efforts of the rank and file throughout the Border Patrol. Listen to this. The Border Patrol is a young man's organization. It appeals strongly to the lover of the big outdoors, the primeval forests, the sun-parched deserts, the mountains and the plains. The business upon which as it engaged calls for manhood, stamina, versatility, and resourcefulness in the highest degree. Honor first is its watchword. Privations and danger but serve as a challenge which none refuses. Unfailing courtesy to all and helpfulness to the helpless in distress are emphasized above every other requisite. These young men are proud of their jobs, proud of their organization, with a code of ethics unsurpassed by any similar organization of this or any other day. In the three short years of its existence, it has created a priceless store of traditions. The pride of these men in their organization is equaled only by the pride and esteem in which they have held, they are held by the communities in which they operate. Spontaneous testimonials of this esteem are being constantly received by the Bureau. To an almost unbelievable extent, the Border Patrol is self-governing. Its members must be left largely to their own devices and upon their honor. The weight of popular disapproval of their fellow officers is more potent with the erring one than all the printed regulations humanly possible to devise. The uniform is sacred. It not only symbolizes authority, the law's majesty, and all the power of the federal government, but it entails obligations upon the wearer in the way of deportment, which are intuitively recognized and scrupulously followed. Ex-servicemen predominate in the Border Patrol. They must be and are physically fit. They are accustomed to discipline, take readily to it, and they like it. They are charged with a serious responsibility and keenly recognize it. In the vast majority of cases, their work is a religion. Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. I don't know about you, but uh, that makes me proud. It makes me stand a little taller. And kind of makes me wish I'd really worked harder at that throughout my career as well. Man, that's good stuff. Uh, another uh, snippet that I found very interesting, and you guys will get a laugh out of this. Listen to this. It is the constant aim of the Bureau to minimize paperwork in the Border Patrol without sacrificing the essentials, and in this endeavor, <laughs> it is believed to have been singularly successful. Yeah, probably for about another year, because after that, I don't think that age will. What do you think? 
It says, while charged primarily with the duty of apprehending violators of our immigration laws, it follows naturally and inevitably that the performance of these duties brings the patrolmen into contact with violators of many other laws, federal, state, and municipal. These offenders are gathered in and delivered to the proper law enforcement officers. Aliens figure largely in our coasts and land borders as smugglers of contraband. Particularly does this hold true of the Mexican border where easily 95% of the smuggling fraternity is alien. While these alien outlaws violate many different laws, prohibition, customs, public health, narcotics, horticultural, animal industry, neutrality, and so on, they one and all violate the immigration law in the time and place and manner of their entry. In last year's report, annual report, mention was made of the fact that the personnel of the Border Patrol should be brought up to at least 1,000 members. The experience of the past year has only served to strengthen and confirm the conviction in this respect. For the ensuing fiscal year, the appropriation for the Border Patrol has been fixed, but for the year 1929, a minimum of $2 million has been asked for with which um, efficiently to operate. Even if this sum is supplied, it will fall short, far short of producing a complement of a thousand employees in the Border Patrol. In fact, after making due allowances for vacancies, sick and annual leave, we would have a paper strength of 924 employees with an average actual effective strength of but 784 members. Now, uh, here uh, is one of the things that I really did appreciate reading, and this is where the beginning of our fallen officers is mentioned officially. Listen to what the commissioner says about the officers that lost their lives in the line of duty here in the very beginning. He says, before closing this subject, I wish to pay tribute to all those brave men of the Border Patrol who have made the supreme sacrifice in the line of duty. These heroes have died less gloriously, perhaps, but no less honorably than those who have been given their lives on the battlefield for their country. The Bureau's files are replete with stories of courage, devotion to duty, and sacrifice rivaling anything afforded by fiction. And then he mentions names. The first one he mentioned there is Frank H. Clark out of El Paso, Texas, whose um, end of watch was December 13, 1924. The next one is August D. De La Peña out of Rio Grande City, Texas, end of watch August 3, 1925. The next is William W. McKee, who uh, was killed near Alambre Ranch, 40 miles south of Tucson, Arizona. End of watch, April 23, 1926. The next was Lon Parker, near Willis Ranch, Huachuca Mountains, Arizona. End of watch, July 25, 1926. And finally, Thad Pippen, in the mountains near El Paso, Texas. End of watch, April 21, 1927. Interesting to note, there's a, num a little number one next to Augusti de la Peña, and the note says, killed by an insane Mexican. The other men were killed by smugglers. <laughs> he continues to say, these men responded above and beyond the call of duty. The widows and orphans of the dead uncomplainingly faced the world deprived of their natural protectors. The husbands and fathers entered the service with a full knowledge of its hazards, but it does not, but it does seem nevertheless that a more liberal provision that than that afforded by the compensation act should be provided in the case of the in, in the class of these I'm sorry I messed that all up but basically he's saying 
that the widows and the orphans need to be taken care of a lot better than the Compensation Act already affords them. It says the men of these, of, in the Border Patrol constantly face hazards in contact with desperados and outlaws who shoot and shoot to kill immediately. They are challenged. And if, even though the performance of their duties forces them not, to infrequent, not infrequently to engage in mortal combat, they constantly face the necessity of defending the, their liberty and lives as best, as best they may in state or country courts if they kill an outlaw. Wow. Did you hear that? It says they constantly face the necessity of defending their liberty and lives as best they may in state or county courts if they kill an outlaw. Every consideration of fairness and consistency demands that the same safeguards be thrown about these men and these same immunities extended to them as are accorded any and all other federal officers, including the right of trial in federal courts and defense at the hands of United States attorneys. So I know that was a lot of reading. I hope it wasn't too dry. I find it fascinating to read all the different aspects. It, it is by no means a comprehensive historical report, but I just wanted to highlight some of the just the best parts that I found so interesting and so encouraging and so inspiring. So you have heard this is uh, we have in the United States Border Patrol a rich history, a rich heritage and legacy that has been epic and legendary from the very beginning. And you know, well, it's not, it may not be the same patrol organization it was when it first began. It seems to me we owe it to every single PA, from the very first patrol inspector to the most recent CBP agent, to carry ourselves perhaps a little bit taller, a little bit straighter, uh, a little more proud, uh, in what we do and how we do it, regardless of what we're called to do nowadays and how different the job is. But we are charged to uphold the values and traditions that, that were the life's blood and foundation of our beloved Mean Green. I, for one, am extremely proud to be a Border Patrol agent. How about you? Remember, there ain't no patrol like the United States Border Patrol. I want to wish a happy 96th birthday to all my brothers and sisters in green. Honor first, honor always. Thanks for listening to the history of the patrol through the writings of the Commissioner General of Immigration from 1923 through 1927. I hope you've learned something new and exciting about our rich history, heritage, and legacy with a few shenanigans along the way. Don't forget to look at all our fine Old Patrol gear at oldpatrolhq.bigcartel.com. Happy birthday to the finest law enforcement agency on the planet. Ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Honor first. Honor always.